Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with myself, your host, Edgar DeJesus. And yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy, Nicholas. Today with our nation of pool pros, we're talking to Steve Jones, senior product manager at Fluidra for pumps. And we welcome back our friend Dennis Cecil from Fluida as well. Today, we talk about DE. Oops, screwed that one up early in the podcast, guys. DOE regulations on pool pumps and variable speed pumps. We will do a deep dive into variable speed technology so that as those single speed pumps go away, you know how to choose the right pump for your customers. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. But before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, and the PoolmanUniversity.com. We want to thank them for their continued support. John, good morning. Well, good morning. So I, I was saying like, oh my God, this is going to be a fun podcast because I'm listening to you, right? And you're kind of getting tripped up in the at the beginning and you made a little bit of a comment and then we were talking to Zach earlier today and Zach's kind of feeling a little bit under the weather and me, I was in a, like a beautiful mood this morning. And I mean, I woke up, I was feeling good. Everything's going great. I'm getting some stuff done. And all of a sudden I said, well, I'm a little hungry. And I remembered last night, my daughter, uh, she works at the Olive Garden and, um, I send her text messages at night. Sometimes I said, okay, babe, bring me, um, spaghetti with meatballs. And, um, she'll send me a text and she'll say, okay, thumbs up. And she brings it home. And, but last night I was just so tired because I literally left at like six 30 in the morning, didn't get home till seven 30 at night, did like two things and then just fell. I don't even remember falling asleep and I just fell asleep. So I woke up this morning in a good mood and I remembered, oh, I still have that food. Cause I was a little bit hungry and I was like, all right, let me go look in. The, did she put it in the fridge? She sure did. I heated it up. I ate, I ate it. It was really good. And 10 minutes later, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And right now my stomach is killing me. So I'm, I'm regretting um, that decision right now. So I think all three of us are a little bit off our game, but hopefully Dennis and the boys um, from Jandy or Fluidra uh, will be able to lift us up and carry us through this. They'll have to definitely carry this podcast today, huh? Yeah. Yes. Zach, good morning. So when we see John say, be right back, we'll know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Good morning, everyone. You know, I'm looking forward to getting into this discussion about variable speed pumps because I've talked to so many people over the last several years that they really take this hard stance that variable speed pumps are this big conspiracy, right? And that's a manufacturer's way of making more money or that they don't really have all of the benefits that they claim to offer. And, you know, now we're at this point where in a sense, a lot of these people are going to be forced to make a change. And my big question is, are they going to adapt and change or do they fight it for as long as they can? Dennis, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Glad to be back. Exciting. I was glad uh, I was able to get my counterpart, uh, Steve, uh, to jump in with us. So, uh, again, thank you for uh, having us back on the air. No, we appreciate it. We appreciate it, Dennis. Steve, good morning. Hey, good morning on the West Coast. I guess it's good afternoon on the East Coast. Yeah, On the East Coast, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, sir. Good morning. Happy to be here. We're excited to have you on. Guys, we're going to do a deep dive into variable speed pumps. And I've been talking to Steve and I'm super excited about this podcast because not only do we want to talk a little bit about the DOE regulations and variable speed pumps, but really to break down the technology so that you can kind of get educated. And as you get ready to make this transition and as those single speeds go away, you're really able to talk to the customer about, you know, the variable speed and the pros and be able to, you know, do that sales pitch to that customer. So I'm super excited about it. Guys, before we get started today, I want to talk really quick about the date of our next business training. And that's going to be on the 26th of June. And that's the financial training that we do. And what you're going to do, guys, is you're going to get five business metrics that'll help you understand how well your business is doing financially. And here's a couple of things that we touch during the training. We talk a little bit about the different business setups. We talk about the Pool Nation metrics that allow you to see your current data so you can adjust your business needs. We talk about the common reasons why small businesses fail, building software, how to set that up so that works for you. We talk about the different terms in accounting and we do a full-blown profit and loss. So you'll actually enter your numbers and you actually create your own business profit and loss. And we sit there and we go through that profit and loss. And by the end, you're going to have a really good handle on what your cost is to service every pool. You're going to know your profit. You're going to know if it's a profit or a loss. And by the time that you're done with the class, you're going to know exactly down to the dollar how well you are doing. So that's going to be on June 26th. If you want to sign up, go to poolnation.online or go to the poolnationpodcast.com. And up on the top, there is a link there that you can register. Guys, normally every time that we do a podcast, we do a little bit of a shout out. And today I kind of have a little bit of a blank. John, Zach, do you guys have any shout outs? Hey guys, I got a shout out for you. If you guys don't mind, I'd like to give a shout out to my uh, pool guy, uh, Brandon, with the pinnable pools out there in the Coachella Valley. He's out in John's neck of the woods. Yes, he Brandon. is. He is. Yes. Very good. We always, we always do a joke because uh, he constantly uh, goes out to uh, Oceanside or down in San Diego. So once a year, as he passes through, uh, I always tell him, I go, hey, I need some help. I need somebody to clean my salt cell. So I get my salt cell cleaned once a year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But no, right on. What's the name of his company again? Dependable Pools out of the Coachella Valley. 
Yeah. Dependable pools. I'm gonna have to search him on on Instagram. Do you know if he's got an Instagram account? Yeah, he follows. He uh, he follows and listens to you guys. Oh, yeah, great! He, he posted Brandon Gatlin. Oh, Brandon Gatlin. Yes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely know that one. So, well, but shout out to you, Brandon. That uh, shout out for you uh, today is for you. So. All right, guys, before we get started, I want to thank Matthew Thomas from Fluidra. And I know he's on vacation, but he's one of the reps out here in Texas. And guys, I went out to your warranty and your training facility out in South Lake, Texas. And that's kind of Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I love what you guys are doing with your training concept. And what they have there is they have two full-blown working pads. And when I tell you full-blown, there's every piece of equipment that they have, every automation from the smallest to the biggest, the pumps, heaters, salt system, it's all there. And they also have a conference room where they do the classroom style training. And then what you do is, is hit the pads. But I talk about this all the time. And I think, guys, this is where Jandy is really kind of setting themselves up for something. And that is... You can do a training, and I know that there's training classes and seminars out there, but mostly they'll do, okay, we'll, we'll do a heater class, and you kind of go out, and you do the day for the training for the heater, or it might be a combo of heater and automation. You might want just to kind of focus on the heater part. And so the neat thing about these pads and in talking to Matthew is – you can connect with the rep. And if there's something that you need to work on, you guys can schedule something. You can come out to the pad and they can help you work on that piece of equipment. And it's huge for two different reasons is, you know, one is you have something that's a little bit more customized or niche to what it is that you're trying to learn, but you have this full-blown pad that's working there. And if you guys saw the videos, You'll be able to see, and even on the videos that we're going to post on the Pullman University, you'll be able to see the pumps are running. We're all mic'd up. You could even barely hear those pumps. But the neat thing is that you can tear anything apart. So if you want to learn how to change a temp sensor or you want to you know, learn how to do anything like that, you can go to that pad. You can change it. You can use it. And guys... I always talk about this. And to me, the company that's going to succeed the most is that one that can get to a lot of the newer guys that are coming into the industry. And that's the type of training. That's the type of one-on-one that's really going to get you guys a lot of loyal people using your products because now you have these reps willing to work with these guys and give them some of that training that they need. So it's amazing. So if you're in, in Dallas... I recommend that you reach out to Matthew Thomas and you guys have one more rep out here. And I apologize. I can't remember his name, but I suggest that you guys connect with them and, uh, you know, go out there, see if there's a a class that they're doing or if there's time for some one-on-one, but check out the Pullman university where we posted some videos there on the pad and some videos on the pumps and stuff like that. So, so check them out. Edgar, I saw the video that you posted on Instagram with Matthew and, Everybody knows so far that we haven't met in person. I mean, we talk all the time, um, but we've never met in person. But based on that video, <laughs> looking at you, right, compared to him, are you like five foot tall? <laughs> Zach, did you did you see that? Yeah. Uh-huh. There's Matthew, right? Total Texas guy. And you have this little short guy next to him uh, talking on the video. It was pretty hilarious, actually. I couldn't, couldn't hear anything or see anything. All I saw was you and, and how much taller he was than you. <laughs> 
So, John, out of that entire video and showing the pad and doing all that kind of stuff, that's what you saw is you saw that I look like I'm five feet tall. Pretty much. <laughs> In a nutshell. In a nutshell. Well, let's figure this out. Dennis, how tall are you? Uh, well, uh, that's a tough question. I used to like to say I was like right at 6'2". But the older I get, I think I'm like down to six one now, but it's all going outwards. <laughs> so I'm going down and out. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm starting to catch up to you, Edgar. Oh, man. Steve, how tall are you? Um, five, five, eight on a good day. And five. Dennis, like Dennis, I think I've, um, I've got like the COVID-20 that I gained over the last year that I'm trying to lose. Crap. So I am the shortest guy. Hey, Edgar, Edgar, if you don't mind, I I saw a chat. Somebody was asking. um, uh, I just want to throw this out there because you mentioned about that training facility in Texas. Yes. And and other guys wanted to know. So a lot of us reps throughout the U.S., we have like standalone automation systems where Mm -hmm. we can kind of come out and and do one-on-one training. And then as we get into it with the DOE pumps, if we bring a live pump out, having that 115 conversion, we can hook those up and plug them right into the wall and have uh, instant training for guys. So if there's not a training facility in somebody's area, a lot of us reps have traveling cases we can bring and do live training at a convenient place for guys. Dennis, I think that's huge. And and to me, you guys hear me talk about it all the time is really kind of talking to you guys. You know, how do you how do you get to that pool guy early? How do they feel that there's somebody that's backing them up? And a lot of times we kind of don't know our reps and we don't have that communication. And you guys doing this type of one on one. And if you do have a rolling case and you can get to those guys, that's huge because the way it works is whatever equipment you start to learn on first that's kind of what you tend to use. And that's what you tend to kind of be loyal to. I am getting over here. See, even Hokulea Joel is making fun of me. Edgar, is it Fluidra or Flu... flu yeah, see, I can't, you know, but... What's funny looks is like they're gonna Looks like they're going to make fun of me for that one for a long time, guys. You can say Hukulea, no problem, but something simple like Fluidra, you can't say that. Flu, fluidra, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you watch, if you watch the video, I, I think... I look at and I have to like... Think about it twice <laughs> so I can make sure I'm not going to butcher it, right? But do you know if he's uh, saying it right? I don't even know. Yeah, right? that's, that's, that's right. That's point. Uh, so, Joel, tell me if I'm saying it right. It's already butchered. See, I'm already see? butchering it, and you think I'm saying it right. <laughs> so, so I screwed up, too. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I got another uh, buddy of mine, Anthony LaPiccolo, right? LaPiccolo uh-huh. Pools, right? out. He He's out here in Southern oh, California. Oh, yes, I follow him. And that's another name too. And he's awesome guy, right? And uh, he caters more to higher end. He's more of a premier pool service, kind of like what we are in our our business model. But every time I see his his company name, right, it's one of those where I'm like, look, okay, La Piccolo, La Piccolo. But it flows so well off the tongue once you get it, and it's easy to remember. But I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, holy crap! There is no way I'm going to be able to pronounce this. And I, so I feel your pain a little bit, Edgar. So you're not the only one out there. Yeah, I'm really bad at doing names and stuff like that. For some reason, I just always struggle with that. So people always make fun of me. But Dennis, see, even even Dennis, Dennis is going Dennis on here. Right now. He yeah, even himself. Dennis, Dennis butchered it. <laughs> 
So, guys, for you guys listening, we have the our instant chat, and Dennis went out there to correct it and put what is it? Flu refrat. Yeah, yeah, that was that was auto. See, auto sensing just wanted sure, to correct sure me on Fluidra. Sure, sure. Anyways, Steve Dennis, we have some tea to spill. Uh, we're doing the Pool Nation Awards at the International Pool Spa Expo in November. We did an Instagram live with our Nation of Pool Pros and asked them what categories they wanted to have because these awards are nominated and chosen by the Pool Pros. And one of the categories that they picked was a variable speed pump of the year. So with that said, Edgar, drumroll. 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 Fluidra and Jandy Pumps, you have been nominated by our Nation of Pool Pros in the Variable Speed Pump of the Year category. So congratulations on that, guys. Thank you. Hold on. Look, Zach, did you practice that? Because you really sounded like you were at the Oscars or like your whole whole tone of voice changed. I mean, it, it, it really sounded like I was watching an award show or something like that. Because I, why, why do you think I sound so terrible? I was up all night practicing. Right, you were, you were up all night practicing. And look, and I love Jandy. Trust me, I'm a Jandy guy, and everybody knows that. And it's awesome that they're nominated for the variable speed pump. Let's just hope. Let's see if Jandy wins, right? And we want them to win, or at least I do. So we'll go. We'll go from there. For you guys listening out there, and and for Steve and Dennis, we don't choose. Zach, John, and I don't choose. What we're going to actually do is the pool pros are the ones that are going to be voting and have all the decision making on this. So congratulations. We're very excited. And to be honest with you, I hadn't done a deep dive into variable speeds until I met with Matthew. And I think there's a a lot of technology into the variable speed pumps that everybody needs to learn about and do. And and so we're going to break all that down today. We did shoot some videos. We're going to post them on the poolmanuniversity.com website. So you listen to the podcast after the podcast, go check them out. And we break down some of those things. We're going to obviously talk about the aux relays in the back. And they did a great job at that and kind of explaining and showing you how all that works. We're going to upload those. We're going to upload the one for the TCX. I don't know if we'll have time to cover that today, but if we don't, Dennis... We'll definitely have you come back and talk about it and talk about some of your newer stuff. So, Steve, Dennis, Zach, John and Zach and I were talking about the podcast and what we want the guys and girls out there to learn about these pumps. Now that the variable speed pumps are going to be the norm in the industry and the single speeds are basically going away. And I know some people are saying, no, they're not going away. But the reality is they're they're going away because of the DOE regulations. So as we were talking about it, Zach and I wanted to geek out, Steve, with the technology and and everything that goes behind the testing and all of that part to it. But John is really the one that always kind of keeps us grounded. And he basically called us out and said that I would, that we would bore the hell out of everybody. And he used a different word instead of hell. But so here's what we decided to do. Zach and I will geek out and we'll talk about the technology and John and Dennis will keep us grounded and they will talk about how it relates to the pool guys out there. So hundred percent true story. I did use a different word. I won't be able to say it on air. Uh, so look guys if we leave edgar and zach to talk about the pumps no one will listen right they you know they went down geek lane on me and i had to bring them back into reality so steve we always like to get our listeners to know a bit about our guests can you give us a bit of a background on yourself 
how did you get into the industry and what is it that you do with Jandy or Fluoridra? Yeah, sure. Um, so I have only been in the pool industry for about four years. So I know I am like an infant compared to a lot of the guys who have been in this industry. I've been a product manager for 15 some odd years. I was in the parking meter industry for about eight, nine years. And I was in the, believe it or not, I was in the uh, fast food restaurant drive-through communication systems industry for about four years before joining uh, Fluidra in 2017. So as a product manager, what I do here, and Dennis will keep me in check if I misrepresent what I do, let's put it this way. I have nobody who reports to me as a product manager. Um, I work with our engineering team. I work with our sales team. I work with our service team. And we basically look at our product lineup and we say, look, our existing lineup, what can we do to improve it? And outside of that, what do our customers want that we don't currently offer? That in a nutshell is my job. Try and keep everybody happy. Usually in the process, you, your goal is let's keep 80% of the people happy. You're never going to please everyone. But that, that is what I do. So, Steve, some of us have heard of the new DOE regulations, but what are these new DOE regulations that are coming to the pool industry? It's actually very complicated um, regulations, but it's pretty easy to, to dumb down. Uh, I actually have a 100-page document on my computer here, which is the whole study behind the regulations, how they decided what the rules were, and uh, essentially what the details of the rules are. But the easiest way to think about it is the DOE has set up what they call minimum energy efficiency standards for pool pumps. So you kind of touched on it uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, Edgar, where you said single speed pumps are going away. I am in a group of really trying to reinforce the people that single speed pumps aren't going away. It's just that every pool pump that is manufactured or imported into the U.S. starting on July 19th of this year has to meet certain energy efficiency requirements. The way they wrote the rules, however, makes it so that pretty much every variable speed pump will pass. Single speed pumps, it's usually the lower horsepower ones that will pass, so like one horsepower or lower. Now, with that said, our FlowPro one horsepower single speed pump, we sell a really good number of them. They're still going to be around in the marketplace. Uh, I would say of our single speed pumps, we're going to keep about probably 25% of our volume still on those single speed pumps. So they're still going to be around. But if you are a customer that's using a two-horsepower single-speed pump, a one-and-a-half-horsepower single-speed pump, regardless of the manufacturer, you can pretty much kiss those goodbye. Why did they decide to make pump regulation changes? Okay, so this is... Uh, I'm going to endure that a little bit on regulations because there's actually a two-part story of this. Uh, part two, most people are going to understand, but let me start off with part one. So it's going to go back to 1963, believe it or not where the Clean Air Act of 1963 was passed into law, which was really about pollution, right? So fast forward to 2003, I believe it was, the EPA argued that greenhouse gases were a pollutant. So they said, we have the right to regulate any industry that creates greenhouse gases. It actually ended up in the Supreme Court in 2007, and the Supreme Court agreed with the EPA that greenhouse gases were, could be regulated. So back then, it was about climate change, greenhouse gases in the air. If you grew up in the 90s, 80s, 90s, remember the big panic about the ozone Hairspray, layer? Hairspray, Oz right? Yep, oh, all man. that stuff. 
Yeah. Exactly. So that's what it was about 15, 20 years ago. Today, it's really about if when they looked at, well, what creates these greenhouse gases? Generating energy is one of the big things that drives greenhouse gases. So they look at power plants, coal plants, uh, wind turbines, all these different things. And they say, well, everything we do that creates energy contributes to greenhouse gases. So what do we do to minimize demand on energy? So that's where, this, that's where we are today, is looking at equipment that uses a lot of electricity. A uh, great example, for those of you who, I'm a, I'm a YouTube, YouTube nerd, I watch YouTube all night long. There's a great video that just got published, I would say, a couple of days ago, about the Hoover Dam. The Hoover Dam, they have an electricity plant there. The Hoover Dam is at about 50% of its level, so they can only produce about 70% of the electricity that they normally produce because of the low water levels. So you look at that, especially in the southeast of the U- uh, southwest of the U.S., and the ability to generate electricity, well, our ability to do that is getting lower and lower. So the, the goal today is decrease the amount of electricity because we just don't have enough of it. That's the goal today. If you look at uh, pool pumps in a home, any home that has a pool, on average, the pool pump is the second highest usage of electricity behind HVAC systems. The next question was, what is Aquanet? So in the Instachat, Jeanette put that she missed Aquanet, and Zach is asking, what is Aquanet? <laughs> you remember the hairspray? It was like an... <laughs> It was Bro, do I look I like, like I ever have used hairspray no. in my life? I don't know. How do you get your beard to stick out like that? Yeah, I think you might use a little bit of a hairspray, brother. Right? Oh, oh man. This is after Aquanet went away, apparently. Right. Yeah. Guys, take a look at take a look at poor uh, poor Zach there with his Aquanet. Well, I want to say that was a was it a purple spray it bottle? It was. It was like pinkish. You no, know, it was not spray. It was a can, aerosol can. I think it was like pink and had yeah. like nets. I think I remember. I, I can vividly see it in my eye. And it it sounds like a, I remember that whole a Wi-Fi system for your pool controller. That's immediately uh, what I thought of. Awkward. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yes, it does. (laughs) So just to let you know, Leslie, which is Zach's wife, let us know that he uses oil for his beard. And Jeanette, just age myself. You're too young, Zach. Uh, I agree. I agree that Zach is just way too young. John, I'll let you continue. Yeah. So um, can you tell us exactly what it is and how it's going to affect the pool pros and the homeowners? Yeah, let me break that down into three. I would say let's break that down into three buckets. Um, bucket number one, let's talk about builders. Most builders that we know have already made the switch over to variable speed pumps. The main reason is they knew this was coming. They have to start planning, you know, well in advance because they're building pools. That if look, if they spec out a pool uh, and a permit, and they have a single speed pump on there, and they go to open the pool in the fall of this year, and they can't get that single speed pump, they've got to do the whole permitting process over again. And, and, you know, submit changes to those building plans. So most builders that I'm aware of have already switched over to variable speed. From a service pro perspective, obviously there's five hundred, five, five and a half million, six million pools out there that are are in ground that have already been built. And I would say the you know eighty percent of those, seventy five to eighty percent, have mainly single speed pumps on there as their main filtration pump. There's nothing that is going to affect the service pro as far as like you don't need to go and pull those pumps out prematurely. If they're in, they're in. Uh, they can be used, but 
again, if they're like one and a half horsepower, single speed pumps or above, and you go to open the pool next year at this time, and this, there's a problem with the pump, um, and it's motor related, you know what? You're going to have to buy a variable speed pump to put in this place. So if you are not up to speed on the variable speed pump technology, how they, how they get programmed, the best way to program them, then I would suggest uh, taking some classes over the next six to 12 months to get up to speed. From a homeowner perspective, I think there's, there's twofold. I think that if they have to replace a pump, they're going to have some sticker shock at the cost of a variable speed pump. However, the flip side of that is, which I, I think we'll get into this, if your pool pro programs the variable speed pump correctly, the cost of the variable speed pump probably within one year is going to pay for itself. And then on top of that, you're going to see that's just money in the homeowner's pocket. So I think there's upfront sticker shock. But after year two or three, when they see their electricity bill go from, say, 400 bucks a month to 250 bucks a month, they're going to be like, wow, why did I do this sooner? So I think those are the main impacts. You just touched on something. That, you know, in my original question in the beginning, I think is a huge issue with variable speed pumps is people not wanting to embrace and adapt to the new technology and then understanding how to program it. I don't know how many pools I roll up on and it's programmed at like 3,100 RPMs for 17 hours a day. And then I think that's where a lot of the, the misconception comes in that, oh, they don't, you don't get the benefits or they don't really save on energy. It's just that, that lack of understanding. Um, I did have a question on WEF or weighted energy factor. If you could touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So weighted energy factor, um, you know, yesterday and I were having a little just pre walkthrough of what we want to discuss. So I'll go off on a, a little bit tangent here in the next uh, five, five minutes or so on the, on the follow up questions. Um, but weighted energy factor is basically a calculation that the permanent energy came up with to standardize how pump energy efficiency is measured. It's very similar to miles per gallon for a vehicle. It is basically, as a consumer, I can look at a number and I can determine if I compare two products uh, that are using the exact same measurement system, which one is more efficient. So like miles per gallon on a car, if I'm looking at a Toyota Prius at an average of 50 miles per gallon and I'm looking at a Toyota Tacoma at 20 miles per gallon, well, if I'm super concerned about the energy efficiency, then the Toyota Prius is a great option for me, right? Same thing with pumps. WEF is something that the Department of Energy intends to be a customer-consumer-facing number where if they look at two products on the shelf and they want the most energy-efficient one possible um, without any other factors considered, then they can make the appropriate decision based on a WEF. I don't know that it will ever get to that point because I'll use this analogy. We bought our, our house 10 years ago when we bought it, the HVAC unit was completely trashed. The AC unit didn't work. We all know there's SEER ratings and things like that on, on various products. I could spend all day looking at air conditioning units. I would not have a clue which one to pick. So what do I do? I call our local air conditioning company. They come out. They look at the house. They do a bunch of calculations. and go, this is the best air conditioning unit for your house. And me being, you know, I don't know anything about it. Great. Put that one in. I think it's the same thing with pool equipment. I think our pool pros are the professional prescriber. There's a number of things they should be looking at as far as selecting pumps way before they even look at, at a WEF number. But that's essentially what weighted energy factor is. For, as far as the weighted part is concerned, here's the important thing to know. Again, similar to motor vehicles, 
if I put a motor vehicle in a lab to measure out its, its MPGs, every vehicle goes through the exact same, you know, it simulates city driving, it simulates highway driving uh, for a certain number of hours per day. So same thing with pumps. They basically said, hey, we're going to make some assumptions on how variable speed pumps will be, will be programmed. And they assumed that 20% of the time, a variable speed pump is going to operate at 80% of its maximum capacity. The other 80% of the time, it's going to operate at about 31 gallons per minute, which is kind of the recommended minimum uh, gallons per minute speed to keep a, a weird door down on a skimmer. So very explicit assumptions on how a variable speed pump is going to be programmed in order to calculate this, this weighted energy factor number. The reality is most people, at least in my opinion, are not going to operate their variable speed pumps in that manner. So there's some education that has to go on behind this as well to make sure that people know, hey, to get this WEF number, here's how you need to program your pump. When does all this go into effect with the DOE? So it's actually, it's about 30, um, I tried to do some uh, quick math on my head earlier. I'm going to say it's about 35 days away is when it goes into effect. So it's July 19th of this year. So it's coming up here pretty quickly. Now, the important thing to know here, though, is that it is based on the manufacturing or import date of the product. Okay. So what that means is if you're a, if you're a service company out there and you've got a couple of dozen single speed pumps on your shelves, if you're a distributor and you've got variable speed, uh, single speed pumps that are not compliant in your warehouse, even us as a manufacturer, we've got two distribution centers in the US, um, one out here on the West Coast, one in Tennessee. We have non-compliant single speed pumps that are on our shelves. If they are already in the country or manufactured, they're fair game. The goal of the DOE was not to obviously, hey, we got to take millions of dollars of product and scrap it. It is basically said, you know, starting on July 19th, the supply chain is going to start to dwindle down. And probably within a month or two after that date, when uh, the supply chain has been cut off, most of those uh, non-compliant single-speed pumps will no longer be available because they will have been purchased and installed out on poop heads. You kind of answered this, the first part of this question, but why is the Department of Energy getting involved uh, with our industry and putting something in place for the pool pumps in the swimming pool industry? And I guess a better uh, question is, why was WEF created? Again, it's, it's they looked at, you know, what, if we want to decrease energy usage in a home, what are the main things? So if you look at thermostats, for example, Nest uh, thermostats, there's a lot of utility companies that offer what's called demand response. So in times of high energy usage, uh, if you have a Nest thermostat, for example, you can opt into a program where the utility company can actually see what your thermostat is set at. And they can, you know, in the middle of the summer when everybody's AC units are on, they can dial in and they can say, hey, you're set to 68 degrees. We're going to change that to 71 degrees for a few hours to decrease the, the demand on the energy grid. So this is a, a bit similar. They looked at the, what's the second most high consuming use of electricity. They arrived at pool pumps. And, and that's really why, why these are being targeted. The amount of energy that can be saved with a variable speed pump is tremendous. Again, if they're programmed properly. And again, that WEF number is about how do we get a consumer to understand if they compare two pumps, which one is more energy efficient? So the, again, we use the analogy of miles per gallon. Uh, it's it's very similar. Let me give you a real basic example of, of, a, of a WEF score. So you might have a WEF score in a pump of, say, 7.5. That will be published on the, on the carton of the box. It'll be published on the pump. It will be published in our catalog, any sales literature that we have. We will publish that 7.5 WEF number. 
the unit of measure behind that is kilowatt hours of energy usage. So take that 7.5, multiply it by 1,000. That gives you 7,500. What that means is with one kilowatt hour of energy usage, if the pump is programmed correctly, it will pump 7,500 gallons of, of water. So the unit of measure, again, if you're not great with electricity, you may hear the number of one kilowatt hour of energy and you're like, uh, Steve, I don't know what that means. So uh, go back four years ago. I didn't know what it meant either. So here's a real easy way to know what one kilowatt hour of energy usage is. If you have 10 light bulbs, all of them are turned on and each one is consuming 100 watts. And all those light bulbs are on for one hour. 100 watts per light bulb times 10 is uh, 1000 watts. That is one kilowatt hour of energy usage. If you look at your electricity bill, that's what you get charged on. If you used 50 kilowatt hours of energy for the, for the month and you get charged uh, 50 cents per kilowatt hour, then you multiply the two together and that's your electricity bill. I got another message on here that it says, is there a relatively easy way to go to the Fluido website on mobile? that we can calculate the savings in front of the customer typing in their electricity rate? We do have an energy saving calculator. I have never tried to use it in a mobile platform, uh, to be honest. But if you go to the jandy.com website, uh, there is a link at the very top for energy saving calculators. And click on that and you will be able to pull up a calculator that will let you do the following. You can enter in the pool size, uh, you can, which will calculate out the gallons, uh, the total number of gallons in the pool for you. There is a zip code lookup where you can enter in a zip code that the pool is located in. And we cross-reference that with a national database that tells us the average cost per kilowatt hour. And then you can set up the, the pool season for the pool. Is it a six-month pool season? Is it a eight-month pool season? Is it 12 months out of the year? Uh, you then can put in a comparison of a single speed pump to a variable speed pump, comparable variable speed pump. It will calculate out using the single speed pump as the baseline. It'll say, look, with this single speed pump is going to pump this many gallons per minute. If you run it for 10 hours, you're going to get this many turnovers per day. And then you can take the variable speed pump and manipulate it. And you can say, well, what if I took this variable speed pump and I ran it at 1750 RPM for... 12 hours instead of the single speed pump at eight hours. And it will do the calculations for you and tell you based on the other criteria you, you entered, you're going to save this much money per year. So it's a real great calculator. It is, uh, you know, you, you can use that on your computer at home and you can print it out and then bring it to your homeowner. I'm sure it works fine on, on the phone, but I, I cannot say for sure that we have optimized it for use on your phone. But if you can get a web browser on your phone and go out to it, you should be able to enter in the same information. So let, let me dive into that a little bit more, you guys. So the, the jandy.com, as you guys know, that that's open to the public, everybody. So if you want to guide your homeowners out there to, hey, go, go check it out on a manufacturer's website, right? Lead them that way. But don't forget, um, I believe I brought this up last time, but we now have a, a fluidraacademy.com. So that's a, a link into for the Pruel Pros. Where we do have hydraulic calculators, uh, we have heat calculators, and we have a bunch of training videos on that site as well. So you as a pool pro can go in and have your private wine into us to get information as well. 
that's the way I do it. So like, for instance, the area that I'm at, and I'm going to kind of go into this a little bit later when we, when we get into the pumps or if we have time to get into them today. But the easiest way we do it is this, is we have two different power companies out here in our valley. We have IID, which is much more inexpensive or much less expensive than uh, Southern California Edison. But on average, our rate is 16 cents a kilowatt. And Southern California Edison is like 30 cents a kilowatt. And then if you just remember those numbers and you figure out this formula, and we can post it so people can understand it. But you figure uh, you got your pump running, a single speed pump running at 3,450 RPMs, right? And it's on average, easy numbers. And you figure, okay, look, 2,000 watts or 2,300 watts or 2,200 watts it's taking. Divide that by 1,000. And then you come up with the number. And then that number, what you need to do is you multiply it by the 16 cents or the 30 cents, whatever area they're in. And then you have how much it costs per hour to run that pump. And then you multiply it by how many hours a day. And you can come up with that figure. If you can just remember that simple formula. And I think, Edgar, we can maybe post it on on um, PullmanUniversity.com so people have it. But it's really simple that way. And it makes it a no-brainer when it comes down to selling a variable speed pump because when you're breaking it down into dollars, people understand that. When we start talking about this jargon, you know, WEF and this and that and whatever and whatever, it kind of goes over a lot of people's heads, especially the consumers. But if you break it down nice and nice and simple and you tell them, hey, look, this is simply right now your pump. This is what it's costing you per day to run. On average, it's about like in my area, about $3 a day to run a pump, a single speed pump in just down the road in Palm Desert or 10 minutes away in Southern California Edison area, it's about five, six dollars a day to run the pump. You can tell them I can run this pump twice as long for less than half the cost, you know, or 70% or 80% of the cost. And then you can come up with the dollar amount where it's like three dollars a day you're going to save times 30. That's $90, right? $90 times 12. How much is that? And then you can figure, okay, well, this pump is going to pay for itself in two years and then it's going to start paying for you. It's going to start paying you dividends every single month. So it's actually going to pay you money because it's, are you planning to fill this pool up um, in the next 10 years, right? You're still going to have to operate and run it. So as it's running, you're actually going to be making money by running one of these pumps. So if you know your figures and you can talk to it and you can speak to it, it's a great asset to have and uh, clients really dig it. You hit on it really well because intuitively, if you tell a homeowner, hey, I'm going to run your, your variable speed pump at half speed, intuitively in, in a person's mind, they think, oh, that, so it's going to cost me half the amount of energy. Well, the reality is you, if you run it at half speed, it's only about 15% of the cost of running it at 3450. It's exponentially lower to run it at half speed. And your flow only goes down by half. So you get 85% savings with 50% lower flow. And you just need to run it for a little bit longer to get the same filtration. You could also argue, look, by running your pump longer and slower, you're actually getting better filtration. You're circulating chemicals for longer. You're generating chlorine if you've got a saltwater chlorinator. So overall, it's better to run it slower and longer. Um, some people I know, they'll put it at 1,500 RPM and let it run 24 hours. And th that way, they're always generating chlorine. They're always circulating chemicals. And the pool is super clean. I think this is one of those parts that, you know, the, the pool guy that's installing and selling, selling these pumps really needs to kind of dig into and get the information. Because I think what happens a lot of the times is the guys go out there, they install the pump, 
I really don't know how to set these different parameters or these different speeds and stuff like that. And then it ends up being a 3,200 RPM single speed pump. And then the other thing that you deal with is they don't do exactly kind of what John is talking about, breaking it down and explaining it to the customer. And some people even have a hard time of understanding how you can run something for 24 hours and you're going to use less energy, right? So it's, it's from both sides. You kind of have some of the customers that kind of don't grasp it. Then you have some of the pool guys. So I think this is a big part for you guys listening out there that you really dig into and learn into how to you know program these pumps, how to be able to use those calculators to physically be able to show that customer so that the customer is obviously wowed. And we talk about educating yourself to be able to use that to sell your products. And that's a perfect example. If you really do your homework on this and have those numbers and show the customer, they visibly can see two things is going to happen. One is they're going to go for the sale right away. And then two, you just brought up your credibility big time. I wanted to jump uh, on that because, you know, that's, I think that's one of the pieces that's actually lacking in our industry as far as education goes, because hydraulics is something that in total dynamic head and all of that, that's something I really want to understand. And coming from not from a builder uh, family or anything like that. It's it's something that there's not a lot of information on. And then when you do take a you know a two hour class on it, when you get the opportunity or an hour class, it's like here's the curve, follow this line, add this number. But first, you need to count the nineties, and you need that. And it's something that really truly could have a full on program or course built, and you go through it and learn these things. But I think. As we're switching to variable speed pumps, I mean, that's going to be a really key piece to figuring out how to truly dial these pumps in so that we're getting um, the most efficiency out of them. And so, you know, it is one of those things like go home, do your homework, dig in. But at the same time, it's kind of like there's not a lot of homework or things to find regarding that topic, if that makes sense. You know, it's a great thing. Uh, you know, Dennis mentioned our Fluidra Pro Academy, which they're going to start their, uh, their on the road trainings again here pretty soon. I think in July, they're going to announce their, their on-site classes at, I think they hit about 50 different con- uh, cities in the country, uh, in the off season, but they have classes specifically on calculating TDH. If you go on the Fluidra Pro Academy.com website and you register, if you're, if you're not already registered, they have videos that the easiest way for a service pro to calculate that out is to use gauges. I believe if you attend one of our classes, I actually give them away for free. But you have a, a vacuum gauge on the suction side. Uh, you have a pressure gauge on the pressure side. And it's a really easy calculation. If you've got a single speed pump in there, you turn that single speed pump on. It'll give you some, some pressure gauge readings. You enter those two numbers into a real simple formula. It gives you what your TDH is. Once you have TDH, you look at pump curves. It's, it's really that simple. It takes about five to 10 minutes to calculate TDH on a pool using that method. And it's just something that people don't understand how to do it. So they don't do it. So a lot of our industry is, well, I'm kind of guessing I can look at the returns on the pool and I can see how the water is coming out and I can tell if I'm happy with the flow rate or not. It's taking something like that and really giving a little bit of basic science behind it, which is really easy to, to do once you see it done once. What you guys just explained, and, and Edgar, I'll, I'll shoot you over a picture of the equation. But to do this test on a pump, guys, it literally takes like five minutes or less to throw the gauges on there and see where they're pinging at and just pop in the number. You'll, you'll see exactly what your flow is. 
um, I also wanted to go back why it's still kind of relevant when you guys are talking about kilowatts and wattages. I know not everybody has our link, but one of the great things that I love about our link, when you're in our web portion uh, into our automation system, you can actually, we have a status button on there. And you can actually see through that status button on your variable speed, uh, what RPMs your variable, variable speeds running at, at what kilowatt. So um, don't quote me 100%. It's been a while since I've done this. But if you're running a variable speed pump at 3,400 RPMs, you're probably burning about 22, 2,300 kilowatts. Well, if you back that pump off down to uh, 1,700 RPMs, you're probably uh, burning about 220, 250 kilowatts. So that's something... If, if people have automation uh, with their homeowners and have the IocaLink app, you can actually go in there and show Mr. Homeowner, hey, look, this is why we did the variable speed pump. Look at full speed. Look at these kilowatt hours. Now, hey, now I'm going to run your pump now, 17, 1900 RPMs. Now we're only burning 250 kilowatts. Here's your savings. So for those of you that have the IocaLink out there on your jobs and you drop in a variable speed pump, hey, show the homeowner the big difference of the savings. Yeah, Dennis, good point. We can also do that if you have one of our IQ pumps on your pool. You can also look at that through your IocaLink app and see what the wattage draw is. Steve, I do have one question before we jump into the variable speed technology, and I just want to have it clear for everybody out there that's listening. Do the pool guys need to worry about any pumps that they've previously installed right now come july 19th do they need to take those pumps out no no not at all so if it's if the pump is in it's in there's no need to pull it out it's not like there is going to be doe police going from backyard to backyard looking for single speed pumps they're completely legal completely compliant it is again anything brought in after july 19th either you know manufactured in the u.s or brought in outside of the country those are the ones that need to to meet the requirements the only time you need to be worried about it is you know if you just installed a two horsepower pump on a pool five seven ten years from now depending on how long it lasts just know that your homeowner is going to end up having to put a variable speed pump in when that single speed pump is beyond repair so that's that's the most important thing one other thing, Edgar, that since we were talking about TDH and things like that, when you and I spoke yesterday, this was one of my beefs with, with this whole WEF thing, is that people ask me, Steve, should I worry about WEF? I say, WEF is like maybe not even in the top 10 of things that you should be looking at when you're looking at pumps. Because just simply by using a variable speed pump, you're going to be getting a tremendous amount of savings. But the most important thing, and Jandy will tell you this all day long, if you've talked to other GNE people, we are all about hydraulics and being as hydraulically efficient as possible. You always need to pick the pump that is right for your pool. There are variable speed pumps out there ranging from 0.85 total horsepower all the way up to, to 5 total horsepower these days on variable speeds. Our main go-to pump is a 2.7 total horsepower. That is great for 95% of the pools out there. A lot of pools just need a 1.85 variable speed pump. It depends on the pool size. It depends on the plumbing. It depends on the TDH in the system, how many turnovers per hour you need to get. Do not get bogged down like, oh, I, I have to worry about WEF. I need to educate my homeowners on a WEF. You need to educate your homeowners on, I am recommending to you the best pump for your pool. And that is the bottom line. That's super important to comprehend. Um, I'm hoping WEF actually does not become a thing other than just a regulatory number that we need to publish. 
Guys, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the variable speeds. The SPPA is dedicated to the niche general liability insurance needs of pool and spa professionals. As industry leaders, we'll fight for you, protect you, and be there for you. We provide extraordinary service before and after the membership and insurance is in effect. Insured members of the program get the best customer support and have peace of mind that their alliance is their voice and always fighting for their program and insurance needs. We proudly insure thousands of pool and spa professionals across the United States. With over 30 years encompassing the pool and spa industry, we know the needs of pool and spa professionals. Through the SPPA program, there are three tailored and customized general liability insurance options to pick from. For more information on our programs and insurance options, visit our site at www.thesppa.com. The sound of you continually pitching pool care poles into the trash. The sound of you using an Ultimate Pool Tools carbon fiber pool care pole for years to come. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Do you know the actual cost of the pool service you provide or the financial health of your pool business? If you don't, it can put you out of business. Pool Nation has created a business training that focuses on the financial side of your business. What we've done, guys, is we've put a training class together that focuses on five metrics that we've created. The goal is you do it, and by the time that you're done with the class, you have all those numbers, you have all that data. It is the only course that as you enter your data into our exclusive software, it will tell you how much money you are making or losing. It's that simple. We talk about the metrics. We talk about insurance, what to look for. We talk about billing software. By the time you are done with the training, you will know your exact cost to service a pool, fixed cost of cleaning, your average profit per pool, your average monthly rate, repair profits and profit percentage, and how much money you are actually making. And we have had people that have taken the class and had some cash flow issues and they've made some adjustments with their billing software and that's kind of solved that issue. During the training utilizing our software, you will create your business profit and loss. Once you create your P&L, we will cover the fundamentals of the P&L and how important it is to the success of your business. For more information and the next training dates, visit www.poolnation.online. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you get to keep. For more training dates, go to www.poolnation.online. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Steve and Dennis from Fluidra, Jandy. We're talking variable speed pumps, and we're going to do some deep dive now. So, Steve, I want to start by getting some background and uh, some timelines on the Jandy variable speed pumps. I know everyone in the industry has heard about them, but let's go back a bit to their creation. When did the variable speed pumps first hit the market? So variable speed pumps in the pool industry first hit the market. I want to say probably roughly around 2005. Um, it was, uh, you know, we were not the, the first to market in that space. It was from one of our competitors. Interestingly enough, the person who invented the variable speed pump in the pool industry actually is uh, my boss now. Uh, his name is Rob Stiles. So he works, he works uh, at Fluidra. And uh, people will say, no, that's, that's not right. But Rob will tell you that when he invented variable speed pumps, his goal was actually not energy savings. His goal was to do other things like 
do better filtration to because your your water velocity is lower, so you're gonna capture more particles. His goal was to be able to customize water features. So your waterfall that uh, you know, you turn on your, your single speed pump and it just does hundred gallons per minute. He wanted to envision a world where you could say, Hey, it's daytime, we've got a bunch of people over. I want that waterfall to be flowing like mad. And hey, nighttime, we're having a little dinner party. I want like a little trickle of the waterfall. So he invented variable speed pumps for completely different reasons. With that said, they did not really take off until people started to realize there was energy savings. Utility companies got behind it. Um, Jandy entered the space uh, 2008-ish. And we've been, hopefully, you know, your customers out there can tell us, hopefully we've been getting better and better every year with our variable speed pump technology. Can you tell a little bit about your development and Jandy and testing before you went live with yours? Yeah, so uh, we, we're actually on our, I want to say our third generation of motors. And back in 2019, if I'm getting my years right, we released a series of pumps, which we call our DV2A series. It stands for dual voltage, two auxiliary relays uh, is what the acronym stands for the end, on the end of our variable speed pump models. Um, not all of our variable speed pumps are DV2A, but most of them are. This is basically a homegrown product. We worked with uh, a couple of professional motor manufacturer consultants and some companies that their business is building, uh, building variable speed motors and drives. So we partnered with them back in 2018 is when we started it. It was about a four-year development cycle where we came up with what were the specs are that we wanted. You know, for example, dual voltage was at the top of the list of what we wanted to do. And uh, after about two years of you know development, we started getting our first prototypes tested those for six months, and then we started getting them in quantity and putting them out in different parts of the country and running them for, uh, I want to say we went for two to three years of testing out in the field and in our in-lab testing before we actually went to market within, in 2019. So it was a pretty rigid development cycle. We built about, about a thousand prototypes before they went out in the field. So very extensive process to make sure that we, we covered all of our bases and that was, it was going to perform well. So it is a motor on our DB2A pumps that is exclusive to the Jandy brand. How many variable speed models do you guys have? So we currently have seven different variable speed pumps uh, spanned across three different wet end sizes. So we have a, a smaller wet end, more compact called our VS Flow Pro, um, really kind of a hybrid service market mainly, but some of our, our builders do use it. Um, we have a mid range wet end called our VS Plus HP. It's a little bit larger in size, a little bit more hydraulically efficient. It has a 40% larger pump basket than the biggest competitors variable speed pump on the market so what's important about the basket on the vs plus hp is as it gets filled up with with debris the larger the basket the less restriction you're going to get uh through the plumbing system so your pump is going to continue to pump efficiently even when that pump basket gets filled with debris and then we have our e-pump or some people call it our, our stealth pump and that is a a large pump really dedicated to the the builders um Here's here's what we say if you're a homeowner and you've you've just bought a fifty thousand dollar to a hundred thousand dollar pool and you go and you look at your pool pad when it your it's first built and you look at it and you see this kind of small, tiny, dinky pump, you kinda of go, Wow, that pump doesn't look very robust. So our e pump is a beast. It is a, a tremendous uh, tremendous when it comes to hydraulic efficiency, works really well, has the largest smooth surface trap basket in the industry. So it is just a, a builder's dream, but we also realize in the service industry, 
you're working with what is already there. So uh, a small compact pump like a VS Flow Pro is a great alternative. So seven, seven different pumps across those three different wet ends. So following up on that, I kind of want to ask the question, why is there a need for more than one model? Because if we're talking about variable speed, it seems like, you know, there could ultimately be one pump that covers all applications. It would just kind of more dial into the, you know, the programming of it. Yeah, so there's so many different things. And again, we, we talked earlier about hydraulics and how that is probably one of the... Personally, I did not find it uh, complicated. It's getting somebody to explain it to you in a real simple manner. But hydraulics are the most important thing on a pool pad when it comes to selecting a pump. We say that every pool is like a snowflake. There's no two that are alike. You could have uh, two pools built right next to each other by the same pool builder. Everything, everything is identical, but one pool uh, has a bunch of trees around it and it gets shaded all day. Another pool is in direct sunlight all day and there's nothing around it. So those two pools are going to have different types of debris get, that get in them. The more sunlight it's getting, the more the chlorine is going to get killed off. So you need longer turnover or need to generate more chlorine through your chlorination system. Um, all the way down to the plumbing. If you've got a pool with a one and a half inch plumbing, I can tell you, you do not want to put our e-pump on there because it's designed for two and a half to three inch plumbing. One and a half inch restriction on, restriction on the, the smaller piping is going to make that e-pump um, just not be the right pump. That's more of a, a pump where you would use our VS Flow Pro. On the other side, you don't want to take our VS Flow Pro and put it on a pool with three inch plumbing because there's just not enough restriction in the in the system to make the smaller pump behave properly. So a number of factors that go into picking the, the right pump for your pool. But in my opinion, unless you have a pool with com- a pool pump with completely interchangeable plumbing sizes where you can go from one and a half inch up to you know four inch, there's not a one size fits all. You've got to pick the right, the right pump for your pool based on a number of different factors. Hey, hey Zach, I can, uh, let me, uh, uh, my boss, my current boss actually broke it down real simple for me. And I actually use this analogy quite a bit. And I'm not going to get into our water feature pumps that we have, but just with the variable speed pumps. So you have basically two pump platforms out there. You have a medium head pump and you have a high head pump. The best way it kind of stuck in my head going, what's the right pump for the application? So when you look at a medium head pump, that's medium resistance. So I got my two inch plumbing. I'm going straight out into a pool only where you have multiple return lines so there's there's not that much resistance you have uh two inch plumbing you're going into an 18 inch shear descent or a two foot shear descent look at the restrictions it's going out versus a high head pump application where you got your two inch plumbing getting reduced down to one inch for your spa jets look at the back pressure so that's like for me i kind of explain that to guys of a quick way start with there look look at your water feature Look what it's doing, high head, medium head pump. You kind of start with those two things. Do I have resistance on the line? I probably need a high head pump. If there's very little resistance and there's multiple return lines or big water uh, features that's going out to one foot and, and such, hey, this is a medium head pump application. Guys, one of the things about your pump is that it's dual voltage. So do you offer this on, on all of your models? So the dual voltage is offered on any of our variable speed pumps where you see the uh, the pump model name ends in DV2A. So those are uh, stands for dual voltage, two auxiliary relays. 
we have a couple of lower horsepower pumps that are single voltage only. We have a 0.85 uh, Flow Pro and that is dedicated to 115 volts. We have a 1.65 Flow Pro that is dedicated to 230. Everything that we offer above that is now currently dual voltage if you buy our DV2A model. There's a lot of pool guys out there. Who go, okay, well, what's the difference? Half the pools or 99% of the pools are 240 volts. And why would I need to have 110 or 120 or whatever? The whole purpose is this. You're going to run eventually. You install pumps. You're going to install equipment. If you're going to venture into that space, you're going to run into issues or you're going to run into, into certain situations where maybe running a pump at 120 is going to be more convenient or is going to be the most efficient way of running it. Or the line, you only have one power line going there and you need to add on additional accessories. And instead of selling 3000 or $4,000 worth of automation in order to make something work or to jump through hoops, being able to have these options just makes life so much easier when it comes down to installing things. And that's the one thing, again, I love about Jandy. Just the little things that are done. And I'm going to kind of go on like a little, on a little tangent about products because when you install products or when you're servicing products and you go out to a pad and you're going to go do an estimate or you need to replace something, especially if you've been in the industry for a little while and you're doing well, you're busy, right? And time is money and money and time is very, very important to you. So any way you can cut down the time or the cost in or what's involved in you actually putting in that application or, or putting in that pump or putting in that filter, putting in that heater, is one of the major deciding factors in what you're going to install on that pad. Because the truth is, eventually, I mean, when you look at it, we have different pumps from Pentair. We'll have one from a Hayward. We'll have one from Jandy. And at the end of the day, when you look at it, ultimately, can I put in an IntelliFlow into a system and will that efficiently run a pool? Absolutely, it will. Can I put an e-pump on a pad and will that efficiently run that pool? Absolutely, it will. But if you look at the other things that are involved when it comes down to installing, especially if you're an installer, there's things that really make sense to you. Like for me, for instance, one, if I'm looking to replace an existing pump there, right? Or if I'm looking to replace a, a heater and the heater's a Hayward or it's a Pantera, it's a Master Temp, and I have to change out the filter too. So when you're looking at the pad and you're looking at what's involved in doing it, you're going to try to see what's going to be the easiest way you can install it. So for instance, with a heater, to JXIs, the one thing I love about them is they have dual input, right, on, your, on the intake. So some of the things that Jandy does, it's the little things that really matter when it comes down to choosing what product you want to put on that pad. And that's one of the reasons why I like Jandy so much is because they think about those little things. Uh, having a bigger basket right on your pump is a no brainer. When you're looking at filters, right? When you're adding a Jandy filter or you're looking to replace a filter, the drain plug, where you put the drain plug and Jandy, how they did it is a no brainer. When I go to a clean and clear, I absolutely despise having to get under there and work with that drain plug. When I'm working with a completely flat pad and, and I'm putting in equipment and I need to plumb something in, the way Jandy makes everything work with their pump, and if you go with like their CV series of their filters, the way they work where you have the input on one end and you have the output on the other end and then it, it immediately plumbs into the heater, it's just genius. When I go to install a filter pump and I need unions, Jandy puts the unions in there. So it's those little things that they do and they add because in reality, a lot of these pumps are pretty much the same when it looks down to what they can do. There's a slight differences, but the little touches that, that Jandy adds, especially in their variable speed pumps, 
really goes a long way. I can give an example that I had one time with um, the DV2 pump when they first came out. There was an area where we put in a pump and, and in order to run automation, in order to run power over to that area, we were dealing with such a small little area and I had to figure out a way to put on a salt cell system. And there was no way I could have added that salt cell system um, without adding a, a sub panel or adding uh, extra electrical. But being able to install it onto that DV2 pump and having it run that way uh, just made it a life savings for us. So again, I don't want it's I don't want this to be like a like a product showcase for Jandy, but it's the simple things you got to look at that Jandy does that I think uh, they really knocked it out of the park when it comes down to the to their products. No, John, keep going. I, we I we think enjoy they, it. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it is. It's just the truth. I mean, I can't tell you. I can't tell you how many times it's like the, just the little things, how easy it is to access it, right? And just the unions. God, that you guys just put unions with your pumps. Thank you. Guys, right? John's going to take that. my job here pretty soon. No. I really, I really appreciate that. <laughs> you know, the filter, you got the filter cartridge, same exact thing too. It's just like, oh, it's a pleasure to actually install one of those filters because to plumb in one of the competitors uh, filter, filter systems, it's just a pain in the butt, at least to me, you know, and then to service them, it's a pain in the butt also. But when it comes down to filter cartridges, you guys actually take the feedback and you think about it and you implement these changes and you try to make something that already works just a little bit better and it makes it easier for us. So. I'm done. <laughs> so, so, sounded like a little bit of a bromance going on there. Is that John? For sure, man. It's look, it's, it's what it's all about. <laughs> it is. Look, it is. My life is already tough. You know, when I go out there, I want to make it as easy as possible. And if I can throw a pump in there without having to worry about doing an elevation change, right? Or if I can get to the equipment easier, if I can back that pump up all the way to the back of the wall and it not be a problem, awesome these little things that make it work. And I'm not going to lie too. sometimes if it's easier for me to put a Pentair heater in, I'm going to put a Pentair heater in because at the end of the day, one, we need to make sure that we're getting the right equipment for the, for the customer. But we also want to make sure it, it's as efficient as possible for us and for them. So when a company goes out of their way to make life a little bit easier for the installer and for the service guys, you know, you got to give them a little bit of kudos and you got to give them a little bit of thanking because those are the things that really, really matter because you have choices. And it's those little things that are the deciding factors a lot of times. And that's how, and that's how it is with us and our company. I definitely learned a lot on these last run with this, you know, do shooting the videos and getting into all those things. And to me, the 110, 220 was big because I've been there. I've been the new pool guy and I go out, think it's a 240 and I get there and it's 110, right? You got to pack that thing back up, drive the truck back out, go switch it and all that kind of stuff. So to me, that was a, a huge one. That was a no brainer. And so when you were talking about it, Steve, and you were like, that was the first thing from day one, I'm like, that's a game changer right there. Part of it as well is think about single speed pumps. So, you know, we've been aware of these regulations coming up for, you know, five years. So we took that into our planning. So when you look at single speed pumps and you look at, you know, one and a half, even up to two horsepower, there are, there are some two horsepower single speed pumps that will operate at 115 volts. So we were thinking, well, what happens in 2021 when these regulations go into effect? And I got to pull that single speed pump out and it's wired at 115. That's going to cost a boatload of money to have an electrician come out and pull new wire and, and wire everything up for 230. So this is, a, you know, again, having that alternative solution for somebody. Um, is everyone going to use it? No, but I can tell you there's pockets of the Northeast. There's pockets in Florida. There's pockets in L.A. that is all 115 volts. So it's a, it's just a great thing to have. And some people say, well, I don't need it in my area. Well, great. You don't need it in your area, but 
the other guy in the other part of the country does need it and they use it every day. So it's, it's just about having choices and giving as much flexibility to our products as possible. So Steve, what are some of the other designs or features that you guys have added to the pump to be different from other pumps? There's a lot of little things, but let me start off with um, our motor and the zero clearance um, enclosure on the back. So the variable speed pumps gets, get cooled by a fan. Our motor design happens to be a TEFC motor, totally enclosed fan-cooled motor. And we have a unique design, which is, um, we call it zero clearance because you don't need any clearance from the back of the fan shroud, what we call, or where the air is pulled in. All of our openings are on the side of the motor. So if you go out to a pool pad and you've got a really tight spot that you need to fit that, that pump in and it's going to butt up right up against the foundation or a, a fence or something like that, that zero clearance motor is going to pull the air in from the side. A lot of people don't realize it, but that if they put a, another comp, you know, competitor's pump or one of our non-GB2A pumps and they butt it right up against a wall like that, the pump is going to be starving for cooler air to keep that variable speed motor in drive to safe operating levels. And it's basically going to overheat and it's going to ruin the motor. So that zero clearance motor gives you a lot of flexibility in, in where you install it without having to be worried about the space behind the pump to get in cool air. So that's only part one of it. And that's the one that we talk about the most. But the second part of it, which kind of gets less attention, uh, Edgar, you covered it a little bit with Matthew in the video, but that is the sound. So the, the second part of that fan design is that it is much quieter than other pumps in the market. So for example, our e-pump, we have what's called a, an AUT version of our e-pump. It uses a, a different motor on it, but we take that DV2A motor, put it on the exact same wet end. We get a 70% reduction in sound on the DV2A model versus the previous generation e-pump. It's whisper quiet. You put that thing at 1750 RPM. I think, I think Edgar, that's what you guys had it on in the, in the video with, with Matthew. And, uh, you're standing right next to it and you can't hear it. Uh, we did a trade show uh, before COVID where we first were introducing these and we had it on a, on a small test pool on the trade show floor. And we had a little small waterfall running in this, in this small test pool. And people would walk up and they would say, how are you running the waterfall? And we would say, it's running through the, the pump in the filter that's right here. And they would say, no, the pump's not running. And say, no, put your hand on it. And they would put their hand on it and they would, could feel the vibrations. They're like, oh, it actually is running. I want to say it was running at 1500 RPM, but it was so quiet that you, you would have sworn that the pump was not running. That's probably one of the favorite things that people say when we ask them about the DV2A pumps. What's your, what's your favorite feature? That is one of the ones that is first mentioned is how quiet it is. And I like that I can put this thing in tight spots and not have to worry about it overheating. And you'll be able to see on the video, we left that, Steve, we left the blooper on purpose because we wanted to talk about <laughs> the sound. We were mic'd up completely. Both of us mic'd up. We're standing right next to the pump. We talk about the key points on the pump. And then all of a sudden we're done and we're like, oh, my God, blooper. We completely forgot to talk about the sound. And it was really, really quiet that even the mics didn't pick it up. Yeah, let's face it. A lot of you know housing development these days, the houses are right up against each other. I can throw, a, without even trying, I can throw a rock at my neighbor's house and hit their pool pad. Uh, so as, as housing developments are built and people put in pools in those kind of tighter housing developments, sound is a big deal. Uh, so it's uh, something that we have, we have been focusing on and will continue to focus on. 
The other thing I really liked about it, Steve and Dennis, is the the wiring box. I really like how easy it is to access the space and to get things wired in there. It's great. My question is, is that UL certified? And if it is, can you explain what that is? So as far as the size of the wiring compartment, that's really just something that we did, uh, kind of what John was saying earlier. One of those little things that we did, we said, what are pain points when people have to do any kind of wiring and deal with wire nuts and, and things like that? Having a small little junction box is a complete pain. And let's, let's face it, a lot of pool guys, uh, myself included, we've got fat fingers. So trying to, trying to wire things up in a little small compartment is not good. So we intentionally made that wiring compartment large. We also have the, the two auxiliary relays get wired up in that same compartment. So we, we needed the extra space for that as well. But as far as UL certification is concerned, there are requirements around you know, the thickness of the metal or the, the enclosure that the wiring goes into so that it's up to electricity standards. Variable speed pumps, every variable speed pump on the market because there's low voltage communication with a, a user interface. There's a requirement today that the high voltage wiring compartment needs to have some kind of a separator from the low voltage wiring compartment. So that if somebody didn't kill the breaker and they open up that wiring compartment only to deal with the low voltage side, they would be less likely to make a mistake and accidentally touch the high voltage side. So there's a lot of a lot of things around UL. There's other safety things, but basically a UL certification, it stands for underwriter laboratories. If you look at, say, just uh, your average lamp in your house, you'll probably find somewhere on it, it is stamped UL certified. It goes through a, a certain set of testing standards and safety standards that um, someone, an external agency says, this is a safe product to use. I think I, I was doing the same thing again. Of course, I was muted and I'm talking, <laughs> right? I'm sitting here muted. I'm like, right again. Here we go. Thank God it's live, right? And then we right. edit that crap out. Don't, don't edit. Don't edit. I'm sitting like an I'm like an idiot, right? Just yapping away, and I'm like, well, nobody's listening to me, or and I noticed. But no, as far as uh, look, Steve was saying exactly. It's those little things. Again, when it comes to wiring about fat fingers, man, I have fat sausage fingers and it is tough to get into certain places or having to, you know, to cram my, cram my hands in little areas and try to make things work. But I got to tell you though, and I'll say this again. So the only thing with Jandy as far as like tight spaces is that IQ 904 and getting my hands in there to, to, to wire up those relays though. That's tough getting up in there and trying to do that. But as far as like the pumps, the DB2s, it is a lifesaver. When it comes down to wiring, you can actually sit there. You have like an open, it's like a dinner plate and you can open it up. You can actually work and, and it's a lot easier to, to fit the wires in. You guys have everything that's needed, plenty of room to put it in. Like I was saying before, it's, it just makes it so much easier to install it. And you can see how your guys is, how everything's kind of evolved with every single pump and everything that you guys put out, you know, just these little tweaks that you guys do to make our lives easier instead of only focusing on how do I market to the customer or opposed to where you guys, your number one customer is us. And I think we should talk about this again. And we really didn't touch on it today, but we've talked on our other podcast, but it's about you guys quitting the internet, right? And I think that's one of the reasons why your innovations and the things you do is not only benefits the customer, but benefits us, your true customers, the people that are buying your products, the only one that can buy them and actually install them. I can say as a testament, when it comes down to installing those variable speed pumps, it's probably the easiest one on the market. No, it is the easiest one on the market. It's my go-to pump unless I have to go with another brand. John, I hear what you're saying about those relays. Try to be out in the desert at 120 degrees, oh changing God. the relay out of our panel. Oh, 
right? You know what I mean? It's just like, and you're dripping and you're sweating and you're trying to get it going. You want to be in and out as quick as possible, right? To fix something instead of having to worry about, you know, popping off displays and ripping connectors and I, I do believe they're looking at all that stuff. So I think there's going to be some good things to, to come down the pipeline. Awesome. See, easy to I do business it. with. Yep. The two aux relays that we have on the back of the pump, I'm sure Steve can jump in or, or correct me with anything, but the, the auxiliary re- relays can work anything up to 11 amps. So your salt chlorinators, probably like an ozone UV system, a booster pump for a pressure side cleaner with both of the aux relays on there. So you have one, your first aux, aux relay, if the pump's running for 1725 over three minutes, it'll close that contact and activate that item. The second aux relay on the back of the pump, if the pump's running over uh, 2200 RPMs for three minutes, it'll close the second contact and activate that item. So when, when guys are out there, or like John says, hey, it's tough to get wires into the panel and you have a salt chlorinator. Um, and we, if you're using a Jandy uh, salt water chlorinator, we actually like ours not to be wired hot. So by wiring your salt chlorinator on the back of our pumps is a great option. So that way that chlorinator will not turn on and the less the pumps at the right speed. Definitely a good option, good wiring option for you guys out there. Can I ask a question on that? I've always been curious. What if you're using the spa and you have it hooked to a cleaner pump or something and you want to get that, you know, bump that speed up for spa use? Is it going to somehow differentiate not to turn that cleaner on? I believe it will turn the cleaner on. Steve? It's basically an open and closed contact based on speed. So if you go above that speed, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to turn the cleaner on regardless. You know, there's some some fine nuances on it. You know, there's some people who ask me at trade shows, why do you have these? I never use them. And I look at the next person and I ask them, hey, do you use the auxiliary relays? They go, I love them. It's a matter of preference. We're giving you extra stuff. There's no extra charge for it. Our pumps are priced competitively with all of our competitors that do not have these relays. So it's not like we're charging you an extra 50 bucks for them. You're essentially getting them for free. If you use them and you use them to uh, the way they're intended to be used, it is a great solution and great, uh, great simple alternative to um, having to program a separate time clock for, say, a booster pump. Um, it is what it is. And, and some people absolutely love them and use them on every pool install, especially remodels. When you're doing a remodel of a pool and say you want to do put a saltwater chlorinator on, rather than having to to have a separate junction box, you run it through the pump and you don't need to think about programming the saltwater cleaner. It goes on when the pump's at a certain speed and uh, it turns off when the pump is off or goes to a, a lower speed where it's not safe enough to have enough flow to generate the chlorine and keep the gases out of the, the plumbing system. No, I definitely think there's a lot of great applications for that too, specifically when you start getting into like pool only setups, how you can really simplify that by using those two extra relays. Did you guys do anything different with the RS-485? I know sometimes connecting those are an issue with pumps or automation systems. Um, You have to disconnect the wires from the plug and then reconnect it once you've got the wire on the inside. Has that changed at all? Yeah, so what we did, that has been a a common, you know, on on our previous generation pumps, that was been a common complaint. Is that hey, if I've got to rep- if I have to remove this pump from the pool pad and bring it to my truck to do some work, because it's just I've got more space and like all my tools are right there, then I've got to 
disconnect the red RS45 connector. I've got to pull the wire through. I've got to uh, unplug the liquid tight cord grip plug. And then when I'm all done, I've got to probably restrip those wires and then put everything back together. So is it hard? No. Is it time consuming? It's maybe 15 minutes, but you know, we've all been out there. It's 120 degrees in the Coachella Valley in direct sunlight. And you're trying to do this at the end of the day and you're just hot and you're sweaty and you're miserable. We did what we call an RS45 quick connect port on these plugs. So essentially there's a little, a little cover within the low voltage drive compartment that you unscrew a screw, pull, pull this cover up and that the opening underneath that cover is uh, a little bit bigger than the RS45 connector. So you basically unplug the connector, undo this cover, pull the, the entire connector through completely wired up. Um, and then when you're done with the pump, you reverse it and it, instead of it taking 15 minutes, it takes you 30 seconds. So it's, uh, again, a little, a little convenience things that was a complaint of our existing customers. So um, we looked to make an improvement on this to say, hey, we heard you with this new generation of motors. We have improved that, that pain point for you, and now it should not be an issue. And again, when I talk about the TEFC fan-cooled motor earlier, some people they say that's their favorite thing. I would probably say this is also at the top of the list of our existing customers. They said, oh, my God, thank you. This is so easy. Please do more things like this in the future. I agree 100%. It's like those little things right there that just make all the difference in the world, right? It's the attention to detail and the things that, you know, it. it's only an added cost for a manufacturer to add those types of things. It doesn't really translate to profit short term wise. You know, manufacturers might look at it like that. I look at it like these little touches like this, you know, when we say, hey, don't be penny wise and dollar foolish, right? It might cost you a little bit right now to make these little these little changes. But in the long run, when you start winning over full service companies or technicians and repair guys and gals, and they're like, hey, this is my go-to pump because, you know, my life is a lot easier because it's a, a breeze to work on. It's easy to repair or it's easy to replace or easy to install. So I've personally used it and it just makes my life a hundred times easier. And I'm all about doing that. John Dennis, what I want to do is before we end the podcast, John, and I know Je Dennis will, will jump in, but if we're talking to somebody that now has to go out and sell this pump and has to be able to talk about it, can you guys give us some key points on what it would be that you would tell that customer so that the pool guys have a reference to be able to use moving forward? All these little things that we're talking about, these little changes and a little innovation and the things that Jandy might have done to make life a little bit easier for us doesn't mean anything to the end user, right? To the client. It really, really doesn't. The way you sell a pump or a variable speed pump is simple and you need to translate it into what matters to them. 99% of the time, money is a factor in any, everything that you do. You want to make the most cost efficient decision and get the most value out of it at the same time. That's the goal. When you're selling a variable speed pump, I personally think that it's the easiest thing to sell to any client or to anybody because it sells itself if you understand the knowledge and you understand how to relay that or the benefits to them and you tie it into them. Look, you can automatically assume that if they're asking you how much something costs, that money matters to them, right? Simple. So you already have the answer to that. So you know what makes them tick. So if dollars is what makes them tick, then you start talking about what a variable speed pump can do to them. And you can just simple explain. It's just like, hey, you make a small investment now that you have to make nine out of 10 times because something you're talking about it because something's wrong with the unit or it needs to be repaired or you need to put money into it to get this unit to work properly. 
So if you're already going to be spending money on something, might as well spend a little bit more and in turn, get all your money back plus more and get paid every single month for using your pump. And if you can make them think that and they can understand it and then you break it down in terms like we talked about, hey, your pump right now and it's simple, figure it out volts times amps, right? And that's, you're going to get your wattage. So you're going to have your wattage and then you divide it by a thousand and then you come up with a number, right? And you times it by how much that company charges or your power company charges per kilowatt. And you have a dollar amount. It's real simple. It's not rocket science. You come up with that dollar and you give them a figure and you say, Hey, this pump right here costs you $6 to run. This pump that I'm talking about and I want to sell you and install for you is going to cost you $1 a day to run because of this and because of that. And you don't really have to even get into detail. That is going to save you $5 a day or $4 a day times that by 30, 120 bucks a month, 120 bucks a month times 12. Do the math. People can figure that out. And then for them to say no, they would. the only reason why they can possibly say no is because they just don't have the money right now to do it. But chances are that they're going to figure out a way that they can invest in it so that because they know it's going to make them money in the future. So it's the simplest sell. Even if something's not wrong with the pump, guys, you need that when you're out there, part of being a pool professional is to be able to make sure you manage their pool and their equipment and as efficiently as possible. And if they're running a single speed two and a half horsepower pump and you know that thing's running eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours because they just like the pool running or they like the sound of the waterfall or whatever it is, you know, it's almost like you're doing them injustice if you're not, if you're not talking to them and letting them know, Hey, look, I can, I can get you a better pump, a more powerful pump. That's going to cost you a lot less money down the road. And if you, I don't care if, if they're super rich or they're just a middle class or they're just making it by money matters to all. And if you explain it in those terms to them, it'll be your easiest sell possible. And you'll turn around from selling zero pumps to selling 20, 30 pumps a year if you do it properly. And, and John, you ma- you made up a, a good point. So a lot of people remember there's eight speeds. There's eight speeds that you have access to for the variable speed pumps. When you're at a pool pad, whether you're if you're in a suction market or if you're a one pump system uh, using falls, shear descents and, and things like that, you can set different speeds for the different functions you have going on instead of running at 3,400 RPMs 24-7. Most people really don't like their spa jets at 3,450. They, they like their spa jets at 2,900. And at the end of the day, you start basing the kilowatts, like I said earlier, kilowatts being maxed out at 3,400 RPMs, 2,200 kilowatts down to 1,700 RPMs at 250 kilowatts. It's a big difference. So if, if you guys are out there and uh, don't see it, I wish I saw it a lot more where guys would set their pump speeds for the different applications through the, the pool. There's eight speeds, set them up for uh, the right speed for the right function you got going on. When you talk to customers about this, you gain trust because you're actually thinking of them. It's a benefit for them. It's not, you have to get over that hurdle. It's okay to recommend something to a customer, to a client and to explain to them, Hey, look, yes, this is going to cost you a little bit more money, but this is why you should make that choice. And this is how it's going to save you money and how it's going to be more efficient. So I think the whole stigma of this whole, I've spoken to so many pool guys that are like so against variable speed pumps for some reason. It just blows my mind that they would rather just put in a $1,000 single speed pump than to spend just a little bit more 
and put in a variable speed pump, which will benefit their customer and will benefit them as a service technician because they're able to run their water a little bit longer. The goal is every pool guy or gal wants their pools running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In a perfect world, that's what you want. The only way you can get there or get a little closer to that is by getting a variable speed pump and having it in there. It makes your life a lot easier, too. So I'd, I'd like to jump on because I know we're getting close to the end. And, and there's one um, huge key point. We talked about the dual voltage of having that flexibility. It may not be for everybody, every market, but it, at least it's there and, and ready to go. Kind of that one. We like to be that or we're trying to be that one pump as you as a servicer. You can have in the back of your truck and be able to set that pump on that job and not be able not have to go back. One of the other cool things that we have on this pump that they came out with, we have a uh, five green pin connector on the back of uh, the pump. So if, if you guys are dealing with older automation, you have uh, different competitors automation, we have four preset speeds um, set on this green 10 pin and it's just calm wires going into a relay. So if you guys have open relays on automation, you guys can just plug in the desired speed to that relay. So when you guys activate it, that pump will still be used as a multi-speed pump. So um, we just had another uh, great scenario with, with this DOE thing, and it's a national law. Using this green pin connector, I had actually a guy uh, two days ago putting it on a spa because he needed to be within the specs. He's like, hey, Dennis, how do I have this variable speed up easy for customers to come in and turn on the spa jets? Off of that green 10-pin connector, he actually wired it to a time dial with no controller, no anything, no automation. Turns that dial, that pump shot out and is running 3,000 RPMs. He actually texted me back and said, man, this was such an easy hookup. Um, so this green 10-pin connector or 5-pin connector on the back of the pump is a good option if you're with older automation and you don't have a controller. Before we wrap up today, I wanted to get everyone's final thoughts. So, uh, John, we'll start with you. I don't want to come off look as, you know, one thing we try to do here at the Pool Nation and our podcast is try not to stick with or try to promote or just say, hey, look, one product this or one product that. But at the end of the day is this. What we're trying to accomplish here and what we're trying to get is trying to make everybody's life just a little bit easier, all the pool service guys and gals that are out there. And we understand that you have choices. And if you don't understand all the benefits, because there's just a lot of different things that it might not matter to you now, but it will in the future, or you might not think it matters, just like what Dennis just said about those dry contacts. And that's huge because one of the downfalls with the Jandy VSP pumps at first was like always, hey, look. Yeah, that's great. It's a beautiful pump. I can stall. You have all these wonderful things, but I can't hook it up without automation. I have to have a controller. I have to use that JEP controller in order to make it run. Well, now here they have with these dry contacts where you can actually use it without automation. It's just so many different things that if you just understand and you get the, if, if you get the knowledge, you're able, you're better prepared so that you can make the better decisions when it comes down to um, servicing your pools. And my last thought on this is our goal is to get everybody to go from average to good, right? Or from good to great. And the only way we can get there is increasing our knowledge, right? Or adding value. We're, we're talking about becoming a premier pool service provider is what we want everybody to be so that they offer more and that they can make more money and they can thrive instead of survive as a business owner. 
I know these types of podcasts, when we talk about the WF and we talk about TDH and we talk about all these figures and stuff to some people, it kind of, it kind of just blows over their head and they think, oh, how does that really matter to me? Or how does that really put money in my pocket? But the truth is it's these little things that we're talking about here and these, the understanding or that knowledge is what differentiates you from the competition. In order for you to become good to great, in order for you to become that better pool service provider, you need, these are the things that you need to understand and you need to know so that you can apply it in the field so that when you do sell to customers or when you are talking to customers, you become more credible. And if you become more credible, then people are going to trust you. And if people trust you, they're going to buy from you. And if people buy from you, you're going to be successful. It's a really simple formula. So these are the types of things that you need to understand and you need to really look into so that you have a good understanding because these questions are going to come up. Believe me, when this thing hits, just like the chlorine shortage, right, that everybody was talking about. And I don't know about you guys, but there was a lot of customers or clients that would come up and start talking about chlorine shortage and this and that and this and that. When things start hitting the news and it will, as far as like the variable speed pumps, there's going to be questions that your customers are going to ask you and you need to be prepared. And you need to come up with a game plan so that you can answer those questions and you can capitalize on the situation and you can provide what they need and you're able to capture the sale. Dig deep, guys. Learn as much as you can because this is the stuff that's going to make it great at what you do. John, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, for me, finding out about, you know, the Fluidra Pro Academy and that hydraulics class, it's huge. It's things like that that are the game changers. And I'm going to, make sure to sign up on that and get that training. Because again, like I was saying, I've been through so many classes where, you know, I'm sitting there for two hours and I'm going through and we're doing the equations and we're figuring this out. And I'm walking out going, yeah, I've got this. And by the time I get in my truck and drive off, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, what did I just learn? And I get out to the pool pad and I'm like, was it this or was it this? It's just really exciting to see that there are more and more of these training opportunities and, you know, another thing that I want to mention is I think it's super awesome that the VS, uh, I think you said it was Rick Stiles that, that came up with that and that the idea behind it was actually the other benefits that you get, such as better water filtration, uh, the ability to kind of control the output on the water features. And then the energy savings was just kind of a secondary thing that came with it. And I think that's so cool because those are all the things that for us pool pros that are maintaining the pool, you know, those are the benefits we're going to get is, is the better water filtration and things like that. So I thought that was super interesting as well as it, you know, it was 2005 or so when this technology came out because to the pool industry, it still seems kind of new, right? I mean, over the last few years, as we've been coming up on this DOE regulation and things like that, it's okay, variable speed is here. But up until a couple of years ago, it seemed like, you know, as brand new technology, but the reality is that it's been here for years and years. So anyway, Steve, Dennis, thanks for coming on today and sharing all this stuff. I think it's super cool. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having us. Guys, let's take a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll get my final thoughts. The Hyper Poll from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care poll designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. 
With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Did you know that one of the main reasons why small businesses fail is because owners are less in tune with how much revenue is generated by sales of product or services and the cost to provide this product or service? This leads to money shortfalls that can quickly put a small business out of operation. Do you know the actual cost of the pool service you provide or the financial health of your pool business? If you don't, it can put you out of business. Pool Nation has created a business training that focuses on the financial side of your business. It is the only course that as you enter your data into our exclusive software, it will tell you how much money you are making or losing. It's that simple. By the time you are done with the training, you will know your exact cost to service a pool, fixed cost of cleaning, your average profit per pool, your average monthly rate, repair profits and profit percentage, and how much money you are actually making. During the training utilizing our software, you will create your business profit and loss. Once you create your P&L, we will cover the fundamentals of the P&L and how important it is to the success of your business. For more information and the next training dates, visit www.poolnation.online. It's not about how much money you make, it's about how much money you get to keep. For more training dates, go to www.poolnation.online. Guys, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. I've had to be a little quiet because I've been having some audio issues on this side and kind of trying to communicate with the guys here for the flow here. But I wanted to thank you guys for coming on. And I, I agree with John. And that is that we don't do the podcast to promote any products or any of that. That's where we've wanted to be different. And we reach out to everybody and we give everybody the opportunity to come out and talk about the products and stuff like that. So Steve, Dennis, I really want to thank you because I've reached out and you guys have just been absolutely amazing and connecting me with Matthew to be able to go shoot the videos that you guys can watch on the Poolman University and stuff like that. And really what we want to do, guys, is to educate you, get some background on the product, but give you an advantage that you can use with that knowledge to now, like John says, be that premier service and use this knowledge and these conversations to be able to educate your customers so that your credibility grows even stronger. Dennis, Steve, I want to thank you for coming on. Zach, John, as usual, I want to thank you for your time and we will talk next week. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry. A pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com. 
Cool Nation, all rights reserved. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in a verbal or nonverbal way. May not be distributed. It may not be distributed in any social media platforms or transmitted in any other forms or any other means, including recording or other electronic or mechanical methods without the prior written permission of Pool Nation.